Yeah, 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 what's crack-a-lackin', baby? The unanimous decision here, Adam Kaplan, the voice in your ears, and I'm here with my man from Hot Sauce Sports, Terry Tama. What's going on, baby? What is fucking going on, buddy, man? It's been too long, too long. Absolutely, I agree. Had to have you on the show, especially after a huge boxing fight that we uh, had just had the pleasure of witnessing with uh, Tiafoa Lopez versus Lomachenko. Big upset. Some would say, others would say that they uh, they predicted that to happen, but that would probably only be one percent of the uh, of the population. And uh, you know, we're on the cusp of uh, one of the biggest fights in UFC lightweight history with Khabib, the Eagle, Nurmagomedov versus Justin Gaethje. Did you listen to Joe Rogan and Roy Jones? So I, I, I'll be honest with you. I've been out of the uh, podcast game for a while in terms of listening. The only podcast that I've been really listening to is Teddy Atlas's show. Oh, I didn't even know he had one. Yeah, Teddy Atlas has a fantastic show with a lot of insight and a lot of great energy. Um, I'll tell you why I didn't listen to the, Ray, uh, the Roy Jones interview is because I listened to the Tyson one, and I have to say, for the first time in my life, I was a little bit turned off by uh, Uncle Mike. Who's Uncle Mike? Uncle Mike, Mike Tyson. Oh, well, okay. I was like, who the, the, are you talking about? So the reason why I call why him were you, Mike, Why were you turned off by Uncle Mike? Well, the reason why, uh, first of all, Henry Cejudo is the one that calls uh, Mike Tyson Uncle Mike. It's true. Yeah, you're right. Uh, they, uh, they went out to Aruba or Antigua, and they did yeah. the toad together with Kelvin Gaslam or whatever the case may be. But uh, the reason why I got turned off by it was is that uh, – it, there was like a little bit of a, of a stint where Joe was profusely asking Mike what he was doing in his regimen to get himself in such great shape at, at 50 something years old. And it just kind of turned me off that he was saying like the hyperbaric chamber, running, hard training, like saying a lot of the obvious things, but leaving out the, the one obvious thing of not being on some Mexican supplements or getting some synthetic help. Okay, well, that's the. Yeah, I'm gonna answer a few of your questions now from the Roy Jones episode. So you mentioned before how some guys had Lopez winning. So Roy Jones was on on Joe Rogan's probably like I don't even know when it was like two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, and, not long ago. Yeah, and Lopez just beat Lomachenko this weekend, and he predicted Lopez as being if he like he has a very good chance of winning against Lomachenko. He's like this kid's gonna be the next big thing. And he also kind of compared the situation to when Canelo fought Mayweather. He's like, if Lo- Canelo was cha- was, didn't fight, didn't go for broke, like you're going to lose that fight anyway, right? So he's like, so if that happens with Lopez and, and Loma, he's like, if Lopez goes for broke, he'll probably, he's going to win that fight. So I didn't even know, like, I don't really, I never watched any of Lopez's fights. I heard the name, couldn't tell you his record, couldn't tell you what he was, you know, like I heard he's an up and coming guy, but I was super impressed. And I only watched the live the last three rounds. And then the next day I watched uh, like an abbreviated version, you know, on YouTube. And uh, he's fucking good, man. But Lomachenko didn't look great. But before that, so the Uncle Mike, so Mike, uh, Uncle Mike, you said that he might be on the Mexican supplements. Roy Jones Jr. talks about the testing that's involved in the contract. And he said, it's like, it's VADA testing. So it's like, you can't be on anything. He's like, even him, he's like, I was doing like, uh, rejuvenating my my knee with like injections car, uh, cartilage and he's like i had to stop because we didn't know if it was going to pass the test so i don't know i mean i've done mexican supplements i'm looking at mike tyson and check 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 he's checking all the boxes but it's i can't if he pisses clean he pisses clean what, what are we going to do well i mean i'm happy to hear that that they are doing vata testing i mean i i know that you know they're 
the commission testing versus VADA or um, USADA or anything like that is a lot more stringent. Yeah. So, you know what? I, I do have to give then Mike Tyson the credit. However, obviously, I do know that these guys are monitored by doctors and they kind of know when their cycles are, are coming and going and whatever it is. And maybe because they have so much respect for guys like Roy Jones and Mike Tyson, maybe they're getting a little bit more notice than the classic pop-in visits at 6 a.m. and stuff like that. So maybe they're giving them a little bit more leeway. I'm not really sure, but I'm happy to hear that. And I'm glad to put my foot in my mouth about that. But one thing I wanted to ask you is, is did Roy Jones not think that Canelo was doing everything he can to try to beat Floyd Mayweather in that fight? No, what he said was that he fought his fight. Yes. He fought the way he fights. He's like, he should have fought differently. Okay. Just to, I, okay. Like, to do something different, like be the stalker. Don't get stalked. Like Canelo was like a counter puncher. You know what I mean? So like, he's like, just be different. Like, don't be the same guy that we saw before. Don't right. be the same guy. You're going to be the rest of your career. Be different in that fight. Cause you're not winning with your style and not against Floyd. So do something different and be a different person. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from, from what I remember of Canelo and Mayweather, uh, Canelo was uh, getting very frustrated and was throwing a lot of single shots and throwing yeah. a lot of hard combinations to try to land on Floyd. And uh, that is exactly what Lopez did not do. Because if you look at a lot of Lomachenko's last opponents, they're always trying to reach. They're always trying to chase him. They're always trying to... They, they, they think that Loma is not three steps ahead of them. And they think that they could take advantage by that by bull rushing and, and Lomachenko would just fucking leave them in the dust with his footwork and his angles. Oh, for sure. And uh, the biggest thing that I saw um, in that fight is, is that it was somebody who didn't give any fucks about who Lomachenko was and stay true to his word in the buildup in terms of how he spoke about Lomachenko. That's the thing is that he looked like he just, like you said, he didn't give a fuck. He, he fought the perfect fight you could fight against Lomachenko was Lomachenko 100%. A lot of rumors are saying that he was injured. I believe it. He looked a little bit out of shape. He looked a little bit too slow. Didn't look like the Loma that we saw against Rigandau. It didn't look like the Loma that we've seen in the past, you know? So there was something there. And they, I think the contractually they have a rematch, right? So it'll be interesting to see what Lomachenko brings to the table in the next fight. Well, you know, from, from what I'm hearing is, is that there is no rematch. I thought they have to have a rematch, just like Fury and, and Wilder. So what's a little bit different about this scenario is, is that um, Lo, uh, Lopez did not have a, a rematch clause in his contract. And in okay. fact, they, they also kind of paved the way for Lo, what Lopez was saying at the uh, post-fight press conference was, is that there wasn't a rematch clause in his favor. So he doesn't feel that he now needs to grant Lomachenko one. And then they were almost even kind of uh, grooving, the, grooving the grease for him in terms of what would be next after Lomachenko in the sense of kind of, you know, hinting that, you know, this is what's going to happen. You're going to lose. And then this is going to be what's going to be next for you. So Lopez is uh, for now saying that he's not interested in the rematch. And he even had inklings of, of saying that he'll maybe do one more match at 135 and then go up to 140 pounds. Why would he go up to 140 pounds now? Well, is him and his father are saying that him making 135 pounds is getting a little bit difficult. I mean, you did see the size difference. No, you yeah. saw Lomachenko in the lead up talking about the size difference of the two of them and just it, from a pure physique standpoint. Yeah. But um, I'm not surprised that Lomachenko perhaps went into the fight injured. I mean, I was a little bit shocked on, on how flat-footed he was. Uh, how he wasn't using his angles and his footwork and how many rounds it took him to get going. 
that to me is what really shocked me the most. Exactly. That's the thing is like, if I, I thought that they had a rematch, I would have said in this, in the rematch, I'm sure Lomachenko is going to fight for a rematch, but in the rematch, it didn't look like, I, it's not, I don't think it's going to look anything different. I think it's going to be the same thing. Just Lomachenko is going to be in better shape. It might be a closer fight. I don't know who had it one on 119 to 109, but that was some, some crazy scores that, I mean, it was, it was nuts, but I think they'll fight again for sure. And it'll be close, but I think that Lopez having beaten Lomachenko, he just pretty much guaranteed that he, he'll probably be undefeated his career. You know what I mean? So like, these are the types of fights that like these one losses that you have these, you know, like where you kind of punch up and you see if you can test yourself against the big dogs and you lose that fight, you're like, but it doesn't really change anything in your record. You know, it's a lot more common in the MMA than it is in boxing, but I don't know. I think that I, it, this win for him is like, it just made him a superstar and he's going to be one of the most famous boxers in the world now. Certainly uh, the biggest will probably go down as the biggest win in his career and definitely will be the one thing that he's remembered by. Well, who's next uh, for him? Well, the thing is, is that um, first of all, I mean, I actually am on the other side of the spectrum where I actually think Lomachenko wins the, re the rematch. Okay. And the, the reason why I say that is, is that I had Lopez up 6-0. And then I gave him the 12th. I just feel when Lomachenko picked up the pace and started to show his true colors and stay alive, he was a lot more decisive in, in his strikes landed and peppered Lopez a lot, uh, a, a lot more accurately than Lopez was with Lomachenko. Now, credit it, uh, is due there. Lomachenko is a lot harder to hit than Lopez is. Lopez lacks footwork, lacks head movement, relies a lot on his actual mental and physical toughness and that lead left hook as a, as a counter tool. Um, yeah. You know, but for me, um, you know, I, I do got to think that Loma actually would take the rematch, which pains me to say, because I was rooting for Lopez. I'm not the biggest Lomachenko guy. I don't really, you know, I'm not cool with necessarily his demeanor. His style is really great. But one of the things that turned me off the most about Lomachenko is, is that, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of fans just act like he's uh, God's greatest gift. And what people seem to forget is, is that this is the fight game and they don't give fu any fucks about that. No, that's the thing is I had some debates with people online, too, on Twitter, on Facebook. And I mean, I'm, 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 a, I'm a Loma guy. I think he's probably top five right now, but I, I'm not going to pound him. I'm not going to crown him pound for pound best fighter in the world. Like some people are just because he has a, a sick record. I mean, the guy has two losses now, even though his first loss is in his first fight. But, you know, I think Lomachenko is like the, 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 the uh, not the concept, but the aura of Lomachenko is what makes people like him that much. You know, he's, he's Ukrainian, you know, he's good looking, he's super smart. He has a good backstory with his dad, the whole thing. So I think people kind of gravitate towards that. But realistically, is he top? Is he pound for pound for me? Like some people say, I agree with you, man. I don't think you really, really think he is. I mean, it's tough for me to say he's better than Crawford and Spence. It's tough for me to say he's better than Fury. It's tough for me Canelo. to say he's better than Canelo. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, I mean, Kovalev, maybe. I think he's better than Kovalev, but Kovalev should, like, is, in that, is in that discussion. But I don't know. It's tough to say. I mean, if Andre Ward is active, he's best to me, he's the best fighter in the world, you know? So it's, I don't think Loma fits in the same categories. I, mean, I think he's kind of like that Mighty Mouse, you know? Like, it's weird to say because they're both tiny guys, but yes, kind of like that Mighty Mouse where he hasn't really fought anybody and he fought an older Rigandau. So, I mean, I like him. He's a great fighter, top five for me, pound for pound, but not what a lot of people think he is. Yeah, I definitely would put Lomachenko still in my top uh, top 10. Uh, he's certainly not in the top five now, now that he had that loss. Lopez takes his spot at number five or or whatever the case may be. But um, 
you know, the, the biggest thing for me is, is what bothered me is, especially on the internet, is that uh, the second Lomachenko started picking up momentum, it was, if, it was as if Lopez disappeared. Yeah. And that wasn't the case. Lomachenko was far more irrelevant in the first six rounds than Lopez was in the last six rounds. Yeah. And, and that was something that certainly did bother me. But um, I like the kid's tenacity. I like the way that he carries himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I really like, uh, you know, what he's going to do for, the, for boxing on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, there's just, a, there's just a demeanor to Lomachenko that, and an aura, like you said, that a lot of uh, fans like. But I just got to say that, uh, you know, every dog has its day. And it, I think it'll continue to happen for Lopez. However, you know, a lot of inklings talking about him going up to 140 pounds. And the next super fight or biggest fight that's going to happen in that division is, is Josh Taylor versus Ramirez. Now, I don't know much about Ramirez. I do know a little bit about Taylor. Taylor is a, a, a phenomenal champion, a Scotsman, and uh, somebody who comes to fucking fight. And the jump from 130 to 135, as you saw, Lomachenko is a naturally 130-pound fighter. He's not a 135-pound yeah. fighter. And you already saw a little bit of a gap there. Yeah. Now, if we want to relate it to MMA, we could both agree that there is a tremendous gap between the bantamweight size fighters and the featherweight size fighters. Oh, huge difference. Yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, a little bit of the case here in, in terms of that. So, you know, Lopez is, is a big fella, but these are different punchers that, that cut a different amount of weight. And Lopez is already looked at as the underdog when fighting the winner of Ramirez and Josh Taylor. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they go that route. It's it's it really is tough to say. What I would really like to see is is that I know that Tank Davis and Santa Cruz are fighting at 130 pounds, but I would really like to see uh, Lopez versus the winner of Tank Davis and Santa Cruz go at it at 135. More so, I'd like to see him fight Tank at 135. Yeah. What about? I mean, that that's that's for sure. I'd love to see Tank versus Lopez. I think that's probably one of the greatest fights. And that's I, I forgot that he's fighting Santa Cruz actually. So the thing is, is that I mean, there's them. There's there's so we're talking. We've already named three guys. So, but we haven't named Ryan Garcia. We haven't named Devin Haney, and they're supposed to fight. No. So Ryan Garcia is going to be fighting Luke Campbell. And, uh, and, and Luke Campbell uh, went to a decision against Lomachenko, actually fought pretty yeah. decently against yeah. him, given the fact that he lost by decision. Um, so what it's looking like from the inklings of Bob Arum is, is that before Lopez moves up, he should be fighting the winner of Ryan Garcia and Luke Campbell. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, Devin Haney is actually the laughingstock of the lightweight division because... Devin Haney essentially was the interim WBC champion. Yeah. And what had happened was is, is that the WBC has this thing where they where they put um, they they tag fighters with a franchise belt. And what the franchise belt is, in my opinion, is is that it's like this motherfucker ain't getting beaten at the WBC division. So what we're gonna do is is we're gonna take the belt off of him and put a crown on his head. Okay. And with that, this is my figure of speech. There's a crown. And with that crown, we now could then put the next guy up as the champion. So for marketing sake, it's like, all right, now we almost have two champions in the division without calling one the interim champion. So okay. they call Devin Haney. It is a little bit stupid, 
but the WBC does have a little bit of a different way of doing things versus the other commissions. Yeah. But what's, what's funny with that is, is that they call Devin Haney the email champion because he got promoted as the regular WBC champ via email by uh, Mauricio Suleiman. So, you know, uh, nobody really has much interest in seeing Devin Haney fight Lopez. And in, in, in my opinion, I actually prefer to see Lopez fight Devin Haney versus fighting the winner of Garcia and Luke Campbell. Because let me tell you something, it will be a big fucking mistake if they put pretty boy uh, Ryan Garcia in front of Lopez. He will wipe his fucking face right off of him. That's, that's my personal opinion. Uh, Garcia has not fought anybody nearly as talented as, as Lopez has. And even if Lopez's biggest and only win in some people's eyes is Lomachenko, dude, Lomachenko is the equivalent to you fighting your entire career. You know what I yeah, mean? You can fight your entire career. If you've never crossed a guy like Lomachenko, that one win is worth 20 wins, 25 wins, 30 wins in itself. Oh, 100%. Uh, so I, I'm not really high on them putting them in. Now, What one thing that we're not remembering is, is that, you know, top rank is run by Bob Aaron. And what mm -hmm. Bob Aaron does is, is that he keeps the money in the family by putting top rank fighters against each other. Yeah. Unless obviously there is a big fight that has to be made and, and whatever the case may be. Devin Haney, um, uh, you know, all of these guys are, are, I believe, signed to top rank. I don't know if Devin Haney is actually, but I know that Ryan Garcia is. I know that Josh Taylor is in the 140-pound division. So we could make whatever matchup we want. Isn't Ryan Garcia under... Um... Golden Boy. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, but I do believe that there is a little bit of beef there. So, it, you know, it, it's so tough to keep up with all the organizations and then the promotions that they're signed to. It's very, very difficult in terms of keeping up with that. But from what it sounds like is, is that Bob Aram is, uh, is, is, is going to take, uh, is going to look to put Devin, H not Devin Haney, Lopez versus the winner of Luke Campbell versus Garcia. I personally think it's a mistake. I think they should just go the other route and put him up against Haney and let uh, Garcia build himself up a little bit more. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I'm a, I'm a I'm Brian Garcia fan, but I think if he goes up against Lopez or even Devin Haney, I think he might get Molly Wall. Devin Haney, I think he has a better chance against, but I don't see him being able to out-tough Lopez. I mean, Ryan Garcia, we can say he's got his hands are the fastest I've ever seen, but can he take a punch? We don't really know if he can take a punch yet. Can he, can he grind against a guy like Lopez? You know, Can he grind against a guy like Lomachenko who's basically going to point fight him and just jab, him, jab the shit out of him? Those punches, they come in fast. His, his, his left hook comes in so fast, but what's, he can do all the trick shots he wants in the world, but I don't know if he's going to be able to do that against Lopez. He does need a win against Luke Campbell. He does need a couple wins before he gets the title shot because Ryan Garcia is, is too young and he's too malleable to, to throw in there like that. And we guess the guy like Lopez is a fucking grinder. Absolutely. And I, and I also just think, too, the, the biggest downfall to Ryan Garcia is, is how he gets caught up in the, uh, in the social media game, you know, talking shit with YouTube influencers. Yeah, but, you know, Dylan he, you know but, he's every 15-year-old girl's favorite fighter. There's no 15-year-old girl who knows who Teofomo Lopez is. Exactly. And, and that, to me, is like, you know, he's getting that um, persona of being the Justin Bieber of boxing. And that, that could be a tremendous downfall for him. Now, I got to say, though, uh, if Lopez were to fight Haney, were to fight Ryan Garcia, you'd, you'd be batshit crazy right now to not necessarily think that, that Lopez would, would, would fucking beat the brakes off of these guys or, or cause a lot of damage. 
Now, what is going to happen? Politics will play a factor. Money will play a factor as well. And uh, usually these guys talk the talk, but when it comes down to breaking bread and, and talking figures, they don't necessarily always get their way, which is why a lot of these fights don't pan out. Exactly. And that's the thing is like, it all depends on what's going to bring you the most money, right? And we know how Bob Arum functions and whatever's going to bring in the most dollars, that's, that's what's going to happen. And it looks like Lomachenko's going to get his, his rematch before anything because people are going to want to see, people don't believe the fact that he lost. So they're going to have to give him a shot soon enough. But Ryan Garcia, for that, for that fact, will most likely be in there because he's Ryan Garcia and he has a Twitter following and millions of followers on, followers on Instagram and he knows who Jake Paul is. And it's like, all right, like, well, like we're going to throw him in there for what reason? Because he's able to, you know, sell tickets. And that's pretty much what it's going to be. If, if I'm Bob Arum, what, I, what I'm looking to do is, is I'm looking to put Lopez in, perhaps against the rematch against Lomachenko, or maybe find the next best thing. And what I do is, is that I, I, I give Garcia a couple more fights. I give Haney a little bit of fights. And I create the, uh, the again, rivalry between Devin Haney and Ryan Garcia. That, yeah. to me, is a smarter move. They fought each other in the amateurs. Devin, Hale, Devin Haney won in a close fight. I believe that those two guys would be the smarter choice to put up against each other versus putting one of them against Lopez because I just think that uh, I think that both guys are dangerous in Garcia and Haney, but I just think that Lopez, with the grittiness and the tenacity and, and just the, the, the hardness to him, the gangsterness, the gangsterness in him. You put him up against one of these two guys. It's like, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of cameras, a lot of social media. Dude, Lopez goes there's the fucking fight. Lopez isn't even verified on certain social media avenues. Okay, he's not even, he's <laughs> he's not not even on, on Twitter. I, I I added him and he's not. He, he's not even verified. These guys, Haney and 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 Garcia, are are more than verified. They can have YouTube channels talking about their fucking shoe collection and, and they yeah. and they would build out a huge, huge fan base over it. So to me, I think that, that the promotion should have both of those two guys avoid Lopez because I just think that Lopez is an absolute dog. So, so picture this. So we have Lopez at the top, right? He'll, he fights Haney, okay? Yes. So he wins. Haney loses. Haney fights the winner of Luke Campbell and Ryan, Ryan Garcia. So are we saying that uh, Haney fights Lopez first? Haney fights Lopez first. Yes. Winner, the, the loser, which will most likely be Haney, falls down to fight the winner of Luke Campbell and Ryan Garcia. That makes then, sense. However, yeah. the thing is, is that now that Lopez is technically crowned the franchise champion of the WBC, there are no intentions for him to take that belt over Devin Haney. So that's why I don't think that Haney is going to get that belt. It whatsoever. won't happen. That's, that's a stupid thing about boxing is that it just, it won't happen. Yeah. We could talk as much as we want about, about yeah. a lot of these matchups, but they certainly won't play out. But what, what I do have to say is, is that there is a, a certainly a big fan in me and Tiafoma Lopez. I love the way he fights. I love that lead left hook uh, uh, that gets complemented so well with that right uppercut to the body. Um, I like the tenacity. I like the look in his eyes, that focus. The guy looked like he downed 70 Ritalins before that fight. He was, <laughs> he was so goddamn focused against Lomachenko. And this is a guy that we call the Matrix, a guy yeah. that is five steps ahead of every single one of his opponents. And every single time it, he might've maybe made it seem like he was ahead of Lopez, Lopez shut that shit down because he absolutely gave no fucks. And that to me is, uh, is a big thing. Now, what I'm excited about is, is that uh, I have uh, a friend of mine named Kyle from the fightsite.com who's a big boxing fan coming on on Sunday. And 
he knows the boxing game uh, uh, quite well in the sense to paint that picture a little bit better. So I'm excited to talk to him about it and what his thoughts are on the winner of Luke Campbell and Garcia potentially fighting Lopez and what's next for Devin Haney and just what's what's next for all of these guys per se because, you know, MMA matchmaking is so much fucking easier than boxing because there are less commissions. There's only one commission. And, you know, MMA has made their living off of the best fighting the best. And unfortunately, boxing has not made their living off of that. Boxing's made their living off of, like I said before, who's going to be able to sell the most pay-per-views, and it's always been like that. So I have a question. Why, why are we watching Lomachenko on free TV? Um, I believe the reason why we're lo- watching Lomachenko on free TV is, is that there, are, there was a tremendous amount of money that uh, ESPN or whatever television network paid Bob Arum for that was perhaps too good to be true. Maybe that is the case. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. But what I think is, is that the top rank presents banner uh, has gotten quite a uh, lucrative TV deal. And part of that deal is, is that if we're paying you this, we want Loma on the cards. I guess. It comes down, it comes down to dollar dollar bills at the end of the day. Um, and uh, th- that to me is, 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 woo, is exactly what happened, is that they basically said, listen, if we're paying you this much money, this is who we want on the card, and that's it, that's all. I'm trying to find, I was in New York once, and I went to go watch, I uh, went to go see a friend of mine, and last minute we bought tickets to the Knicks game, they were playing against the Nets that day. And I, I remember I walked into- Brooklyn Mad- or, New- or New Jersey at the time? No, Madison Square Garden. But it was the Brooklyn Nets or the New Jersey Nets? Oh, it was Brooklyn. It was like... Okay, 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 yeah. okay. And I was... And then as I'm walking in... First of all, it's the first time I go to MSG, so I don't really know what... I'm looking for the person he, he fought that day. So, but Lomachenko was fighting in the, sm- in the small arena. Okay. And the, and the Knicks were fighting because there's like that other arena, apparently. I didn't know and, this. Yeah, which holds like 2,000 people. Okay. And he was fighting that same night then. And I had no idea. Wow. And, I, and I'm a Lomachenko fan. So this is December 2008. He was fighting Pedraza. Okay. And I was just like, I remember walking by looking at it. And then I'm like, there's another uh, uh, auditorium here. And like, my buddy's like, yeah, there's the other one. There's a boxing fight tonight. And then I looked up and I see Lomachenko versus Pedraza like that night. And I'm like, I had no fucking idea. I would have went to that instead of the Knicks game. Yes. You know what I mean? So um, just to say, it's like, he's not, he's Mighty Mouse. I mean, I'll just use it again, but he's not a marketable guy to certain extent. Like the smaller guys never are, you know? So like when you have these, these small guys that are just killing everybody, not everybody wants to pay to see them. That's why I was asking why he was on free TV. I also think what it has to do with is that, um, you know, unfortunately in the States, um, if you are not an English speaking athlete, it is a lot harder to push you which is why, you know, our next topic, Khabib Nurmagomedov, has been such a great hit, is given the fact that he has made that effort to speak English and to interact with, you know, the other side of the world and, you know, didn't pull the Anderson Silva card and refused to speak English and such and such. I think that that does play a, a very big factor in it. I don't know if it's because in all sports. of the, Yeah, in all sports, absolutely. Like Ovechkin, Ovechkin spoke English, broke awful English, but he tried. But Malkin didn't try at all. So there's a reason why Ovechkin 
is super famous and Malkin is just quiet. Like nobody really talks about Malkin. Absolutely. And I, I agree with that. I don't think it has to do with the lighter weights not being popular because I think that historically speaking in boxing, yes, we do think about, you know, the golden era with the Mike Tysons, Evander Holyfields, Lennox Lewis, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then Muhammad Ali and George Foreman and Smoking Joe Frazier and all of these guys. But you know, in recent history, the lighter weights in boxing have been what has propelled them through. I mean, the featherweight division, Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, all of these guys, this has been, you know, the bread and butter in boxing and more of our generation. Like, for example, yeah, you true. you give uh, Andre Ward, you know, you're the number one fighter in the world. I agree with you. But unless you're a boxing fan, you probably don't know about that super six that he fought in. Exactly. Yeah. It's you know, so so to me, I have to say that actually the lighter weights is has what is it is what is bringing in the bank. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's a tricky subject. I actually think the real reason why uh, boxing has never not never, but I mean, the reason why boxing has a little bit of a bad rap is the best don't always fight the best. And people don't feel like waiting five, six years for a fucking matchup to unfold, but we could just wait six to 12 months in the UFC or an MMA and the best fights do unfold. Like, like we had when, what's his thing? When Joe Rogan was years ago when he was talking shit to uh, Lou DiBella and he's telling him, he's like, your sports getting, your sports getting swallowed. It's getting swallowed by, by the by MMA. MMA is going to take over. And he's right, man. Like, from what we saw, like, I mean, listen, I know the money in boxing at the top is a lot more than the UFC, but I think the UFC's business is a lot better run than what boxing is. The fact that you can have four different promotions fight each other, it's like, it's a little ridiculous. Like, and, and, and that's why I think a lot of people can gravitate more towards the UFC now than boxing. Well, I mean, you know, the thing is, is that there are four, there are four associations, but they don't even necessarily uh, blur the lines always, you know, they yeah. do, it, it gets in the way. Most of the time the yeah. lines cross when there's an undisputed championship that needs to be put on the line, which is and, you almost have to do it because it, you lose money if you don't. Well, you lose money, but the thing is, the reason why it's also something that happens is, is that each sanctioning body gets paid. The of IBF, course, yeah. the WBO, the WBA, and the WBC. Every sanctioning body gets a little bit of a piece of the pie in terms of some of the fees. So that is why also it's a little bit more lucrative in that sense. And, uh, you know, there are strict things. I mean, look, uh, keep in mind, when Tyson Fury beat uh, Vladimir Klitschko, he, uh, he had to relinquish his IBF title right away because they said, hey, now you have a mandatory fight. And he said, fuck that, I'm fighting Klitschko next. So they said, all right, well, we're taking the belt from you. Rules are rules. So, you know, there's a lot of different politics that come into play in terms of boxing. And that's why talking about matchmaking and all of these things don't really make sense. It's not as easy in terms of MMA. But, um, you know, we do have another fight in Tank Davis versus Santa Cruz coming up next. I'm a little bit confused about a, a couple of things because the lightweight belt is on the line, but also the super featherweight uh, title is on the line. How can so that be? I, I, I don't really get that part yet. I mean, uh, I, I think that perhaps they're just saying it to help promote the bout a bit more in terms of a champion versus a champion. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a little bit confusing to me. Like, I still don't understand how Tank has the belt at 135 pounds, but now he's fighting down again at 130, you know, at super featherweight. And, and I believe lightweight is 135 pounds. So it says defending WBA lightweight title okay. or WBA super featherweight title. Exactly. I don't get it. 
So, so, so okay. So, so it's so, for so he's defending his belt, but it's also for this because I guess it's a vacated belt. Okay, so it's, so it's for the WBA Super Featherweight title. Okay, so to my knowledge, he is the 135-pound champ, but he is fighting for the 130-pound title. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so again, it's like it doesn't really make, uh, you know, it makes a little bit of sense just the way it's it's just worded wrong. We'll, we'll agree so he on can it. So he can win one belt because he already has one. Yes. And Santa Cruz can win both belts. How do you see that fight going quickly? I'm not too familiar with Santa Cruz. I can't really – like, I don't think I've ever seen him fight, so I can't really tell you uh, – from from what I from what I understand is is that well from what I know is is that Tank Davis is a is a tremendously powerful southpaw, who yeah I've seen I've seen a bunch of Davis's fights yeah. for sure but I haven't uh, seen any of Santa Cruz yeah he has dynamite in his hands I've seen a couple of fights between Santa Cruz and Carl Frampton Santa Cruz doesn't really have much power has a lot of volume classic Mexican likes to stay all over you throwing a lot of punches and bunches Tank Davis is a little bit more finesse who relies on his power. Um, the thing is, though, is that, look, Tag Davis has had a lot of stamina issues. Um, he's missed weight before. Um, and he, just went, he just went full distance, no, recently? I, I'm, I'm not sure. I might, be, I might be right on that. I might, be, I might be wrong on that. But the thing is, is that maybe that was that one time. No, I'm wrong. Exactly. He TKO'd him in the 12th, though. Okay, so that's, you know, that's great news, though, to hear. But, you know, at the same time, um, the you know the night that uh, the night that uh, Tank Davis fought on Floyd Mayweather McGregor, he missed weight and he was overreaching for that knockout tremendously. And I know that's a, a ways away now, but uh, you know they do talk about Tank's issues in terms of his stamina, but also his lifestyle, his beef with Mayweather promotions, and you know Floyd knows how to play that all off. And I think that that is a little bit more over and done with. The way that I see that fight going is is that if Tank is sharp and he's in shape. Uh, Santa Cruz is 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 going to be in for a long night. I think that Santa Cruz has enough of heart and a granite chin to maybe withstand the power of Davis. But um, if Davis doesn't come in in that great shape and 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 the promoting from Mayweather and Leonard Ellerby, uh, you know, will overshadow the actual training camp that Davis has had. Dude, there will be an upset because Santa Cruz will stay on him like stink on shit. That's so exactly. it's it, you know, I really think that this fight is decided by how prepared uh, Tank Davis is physically. It's a good point. I mean, I like I said, I don't really know Santa Cruz, but if, if, any, if he's anything the way you're talking, I mean, that classic Mexican style is just gonna walk through brick walls, you know, take all the scar tissue in the eyes. They don't care. So uh, Tank Davis has to be in shape. Like he was against Gamboa. I remember watching that fight. The reason why I thought it went distance because i remember thinking fuck i don't think i've ever seen tank davis get this far in a fight and he knocked him out with 117 into the 12th round so i get boa i believe is fighting haney next oh there you go and haney goes on the record and is calling lomachenko old and slow and this and that and they're like dude you're fighting gamboa next and to my knowledge gamboa got knocked the fuck out by uh tiafoma lopez i don't even remember that so I don't even remember that. You know, it's uh, it's a it's a pretty big deal. But let's segue on to the uh, to the main event of the show. We have Khabib the Eagle Nurmagomedov versus uh, Justin Justin Gaethje. Man, what what an absolute fight! I'm going back and forth in my head in terms of how I see this thing going. Before I go on about it, I just want to hear your sentiments and your thoughts about the lead up to the fight um, and and just how you see this going. So. The lead up to the fight, I mean, I, I've been excited for this fight for since fucking Gaethje threw the belt off, and he's like, "No, I, I'm gonna, I want the real thing. I don't want that shit." And 
I've been pumped, man. And I think that Khabib is doing the right thing, man. He could have easily gone payday with Conor McGregor. He could have easily gone payday with uh, uh, with Tony Ferguson. He could have easily done all this stuff. But he chose to go with Gaethje. He accepted the fight with Gaethje immediately. Khabib is to thank for this fight happening, for sure. And I can't fucking wait because Gaethje hit his fight against Tony Ferguson. I I don't think I think I gained all my respect back for him from when he lost his second fight in a row and he lost to um who did he lose? He lost the decision. Was it the Cerrone? Uh no, he beat Cerrone. He, he beat lost Cerrone. to he lost to Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier, that's the fight. So when he lost Dustin Poirier, I was like, okay, this guy, I don't think this guy's the real deal as as we thought he was. And now after that fight against Ferguson, I'm like, fuck it, I'm sold. This guy's legit. And the fact that he has this wrestling that he just refuses to use, and we know from what everybody says is probably the best in the world, is scare even scarier to me because he's gonna have to use this fight. Well, I mean, uh, by the way, Gamboa never fought uh, Lopez. It was Comey that I that okay. I got confused okay. with. But, anyways, um, the way the way I look at this is is that Justin Gaethje has certainly not used his wrestling enough. Um, one of the way, you know, in the sense of some of the only wrestling he's done is just a little bit of clinch to let off his dirty boxing, which was also, you know, a downfall in his. It was also part of his demise in certain fights as well. Um, look, the biggest deciding factor in this is how both guys deal with the pressure from both of their skill sets. Yeah. I mean, you know, Khabib is going to stay behind his jab. He's going to, you know, jab his way in, throw a right hand, try to clinch up Gaethje against the fence. And Gaethje is just going to do exactly what you know he's going to do. He's going to crack those leg kicks and he's going to look to swing for the fences and, and, and try to cause havoc with his fists. And, you know, in the past, before that Tony Ferguson fight, we saw him too reckless, too crazy, overwinging on shots, not really landing, not being precise. After that matchup against Tony Ferguson, although we had all of that destruction and, and unorthodox and just fucking pure recklessness, guy was quite, uh, quite accurate and quite technical in terms of how he was going about his striking. And one of the most surprising things to me was is how not only was Gaethje able to use that recklessness and that accuracy in his boxing, but he also paired it really well with the leg kicks, which is really, really cool to see considering he's working with Trevor Whitman, who's a boxing guy. But Trevor Whitman is easily, you know, one or two best uh, boxing boxers, boxing coaches for MMA fighters, him and Jason Perillo, who's Michael Bisping's boxing coach. Um, so the biggest thing for me is, is how how Justin Gaethje is going to deal with getting taken down and how quickly is he actually going to get up? Is he going to be able to deal with that grapevine? And if he is going to be able to deal with the grapevine, is he going to be able to deal with the risk control? If he does deal with the risk control, is he going to be able to deal with the ground and pound while Khabib constantly advances position and stays top heavy like a heavyweight, heavyweight MMA fighter? There are just a lot more factors and questions that need to be answered in terms of how he will answer back to Khabib than how Khabib needs to answer back to Gaethje. Because I think that most folks are thinking if Gaethje's going to win, it's because of a flash TKO, a flash KO, or he drops Khabib and then he finishes him off with strikes via ground and pound. So that's the thing is like, do you really think that Khabib is going to be able to take Gaethje down? We haven't seen anybody take him down before. I don't think that Gaethje has any intentions to take down Khabib whatsoever. No, I, th I would say, do you think Khabib is going to take down Gaethje? Absolutely. 
Okay, and you think if he if he takes him down, he's not going to be able to just use the cage, stand back up, wrist control, turn around? Uh, I believe that there will certainly be moments of that. And what what I think, listen, what I think is, is exactly what Justin Gaethje said is, is that his greatest advantage would be to wrestle Khabib in the center of the octagon, yeah. similar to how... Uh, Khabib tried to wrestle with Ally Aquinta actually in the middle of the octagon and Al was actually quite successful in terms of defending some of those takedowns. I say some of them very delicately. And, you know, where Khabib is, where Khabib is great is up against the cage and that, that yeah. is exactly where Justin is going to be looking to avoid the most. So I'm expecting a lot of circling. I'm expecting a lot of switching of stances in terms of his entries and his blitzes and whatever it is. Uh, because he can't afford to stay in the same spot because that train is just going to back him up to the cage. So he's going to be circling, and while he's circling, he's going to be looking to throw a lot of hooks and a lot of leg kicks. I, I, hope, I honestly hope that he's able to take him down because I want to see Gaethje use his wrestling. I think that's going to be if – if Khabib goes for the takedown right away, I think it's going to tell you exactly how the fight's going to go if Gaethje's able to get up right away. If he's able to get up right away because the guy has a fucking gas tank, if he's able to get up right away or use the cage, peel him off or whatever, do something, just not look like Conor McGregor did, I think that it's going to tell us the full story of the fight. I think that's where Gaethje's going to have to – he's going to maybe take some of that confidence away from Khabib. Khabib is very mentally strong. We know how focused he can be. So if he goes to take him down a few times and it doesn't work, that might throw him off a little bit. But I don't know. I just don't see Gaethje being manhandled on the ground like Khabib did to Michael Johnson and Conor McGregor. I just don't see it happening. And as much as I want to say, you know, Khabib is, is like this mauler and this guy, he is for sure. But I haven't seen enough. I haven't seen any of Gaethje on the ground to say otherwise, because everybody's telling us that he's this world class wrestler. That if he uses wrestling, he'd be considered the best wrestler in the UFC. Well, I'm sorry, but you know, you could be the greatest wrestler in the training room, but if you are not implementing it in your yeah. fights, it's going to be a hard time to pull it out of your ass out of nowhere against the number one wrestler that, in the but that's UFC what right now. That's what everybody says. Everybody's saying is that he's he's no matter even if he doesn't use it, he'll if he wants to use it, you're fucked. I I disagree with that. I I agree with you in that. I I disagree with what what the fans say in terms of that or what the experts say. I think that the less you use it in the octagon, you know, the the more that's going to continue, you're going to be less prone to using that. That makes Um, sense because it's out of your comfort zone. I get that. Absolutely. For me, uh, you know, the difference that I'm expecting to see from Gaethje that we haven't seen from other opponents is that mental... Uh, that mental lapse. I don't see Gaethje looking like he's going to quit when he's on the bottom of Khabib. I don't think he'll quit. I, I think, think that we're going to see a lot of elbows from the bottom. I think that we're going to see, you know, adjusted Gaethje who's very active from the bottom, you know, which is something that we haven't seen over our last few um, opponents. But what I'm actually wondering is, is that, you know, Khabib is on a two-fight win streak uh, well, he's on a 28-fight win streak, but he's on a two-fight win streak in terms of submitting his opponents. How plausible do you think it is that Khabib could actually submit Justin Gaethje? Never. You don't think so? I don't think so. You don't think so at all? I don't think that Justin Gaethje's ever going to quit. Okay, but by oh, him... like, Okay, yeah, he might get choked out. I don't yes. think he'll ever let it get to that point. Okay, so I'm you, not saying that Khabib won't have like a like a like a choke down, but I think that Justin Gaethje is going to get it out. 
Right. Now, how successful do you think Khabib is going to be on his feet against Justin Gaethje in the sense of staying behind his jab and, and just overall being comfortable um, with, uh, with Khabib because, you know, with Gaethje? Because the thing is, is that, you know, Khabib could shoot for that very, very low single and, and try to catch Justin off guard while he's throwing a leg kick. And I'm sure that that's something that they've practiced 100, uh, 100 times exactly. Does Justin Gaethje bring a couple of new tools to the arsenal in terms of perhaps adding more knees? Yeah, that's what I, I was, I was going to say. I think he's, he's going to probably use the clinch a little bit more. But the only thing is that those leg kicks that he liked to throw that he threw against Tony Ferguson. Um, and to your first question, is, do I think that Khabib is going to have anything to say against Gaethje on, on standing up is, I, I do think so because even though Khabib's style is very – if you look at him in D.C., him in D.C. box the exact same way. They kind of walk forward. They have their hands up like this, and they throw wild punches, and they connect. You know, they land. And in the meantime, they're going to get hit a few times. But realistically, these guys, they, they, they just take it right to the fucking forehead. They're, 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 they're great boxers. You know what I mean? They're great boxers, and, and they use their boxing to help their wrestling. And sorry, they use the wrestling to help their boxing. So I think that he'll do well against Gaethje in the stand-up. If it's a stand-up war, I'm give, putting my money on Gaethje for sure. Though, like I think his hands are a lot better than Khabib's are. I, I agree. I, with I, that. I do. I do like Khabib a lot in the stand-up, and I and I and I got more respect for him against Connor. I, I definitely think that Gaethje has the edge if if Khabib wants to make this a little bit of a striking match. I do think that Khabib is actually going to. Uh, test his striking against Gaethje more than fans think. I believe yeah. that Khabib is and Gaethje are, are going to have exciting moments of standing up against each other far more than McGregor versus Khabib because I do know that Khabib understood that Connor's um, striking to grappling ratio is far more spread out than, than Gaethje's. Uh, you know, in terms of the skill set, Gaethje's grappling to striking is a lot closer together in terms of what is better you know, or what, what is of a higher caliber, you know, uh, McGregor's ground game in terms of what he's shown us versus, uh, versus what Gaethje is probably capable of is, is a big difference. Yeah, but, um, you know, one of the things that shocks me is, is that it will actually be k to Khabib's detriment should he try to box like DC, because that means that he's going to be reaching out a lot which will make him a lot more susceptible to getting hit with hooks. And another thing too is, is that should he look to go and do, use that dirty boxing, I do think that the clinch not up against the cage or up against the cage in a standing position is not a good position for Khabib to be in because I could guarantee you Justin Gaethje is going to be looking to throw at least six to seven punches the second they get into a collar, uh, collar tie. I, I think that Gaethje is going to utilize that clinch to his advantage in terms of dirty boxing and, and really trying to overwhelm Khabib to try to force a takedown. And, uh, you know, forcing a takedown while eating six or seven strikes isn't always necessarily the easiest way to, uh, to go about getting taken down or getting a successful takedown. So it's going to be actually quite, quite interesting in terms of how Khabib, you know, I, I actually think that the longer it takes Khabib to take down Gaethje, the more danger he's in. I think, yeah, honestly, you, you took the words right on off. I think that if he doesn't, he's not able to take him down right away. And it was back to my previous point. If, he, if he's got one, two, three takedowns that don't work, it might throw Khabib off a bit. I mean, against Connor, we saw it. First takedown, he missed. Second takedown, he missed. And then he threw him up against the cage 
took him down and locked his legs up like he usually does, like a fucking anaconda. Yep. And he got back to what he was doing. But if he missed that third takedown, who knows if he might change it up, if Connor was expecting to stuff four or five takedowns and then maybe start using his boxing and could be realizing that, okay, maybe this guy's wrestling is good. But Or, or can it be just could be being stubborn knowing that he is this fucking Sambo wrestling king and he's like, fuck it, I'm going to just do this until I win the fight. Well, absolutely. Can win the fight just shooting. Well, absolutely. I mean, Khabib did go on the record today and say, if I miss a takedown, he better be ready to wrestle me for 25 full minutes. And I do yeah. believe Khabib when he says that. And I do believe that that is something that Khabib is capable of doing. I think that he does have a very strong gas tank. Yeah, he has shown that he's faded in later rounds in certain fights or whatever it is. But I don't really think him fading is the same thing as other guys fading just because of his pure tenacity and that wrestling background. But uh, yeah, man, this is, you know, it's, it's one of those fights where it seems so simple to break down and predict in the sense that Khabib is going to win. But at the same time, there are a lot of variables. And one of those variables I want to say is, is the same variable that Tiafoma Lopez brought to this occasion. And that is that Gaethje gives a lot less fucks than any other opponent that Khabib Nurmagomedov has faced. I think the not less fucks. I think he had the zero fucks. No I fucks. Gaethje, like I said about the belt thing, when he took off the belt, he just threw it on the ground. It's like he, he's a different type of guy. You know what I mean? He doesn't care about the the press. Doesn't care about followers. Doesn't care about any about that shit. He just he's a fighter. He wants to fight, and that's that's all it is. Absolutely, and and you know Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez was quite successful in the clinch uh, against Justin Gaethje, and I believe that he learned from that. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, he, he was successful in the clinch against uh, Justin Gaethje, and he finished him off with the knee to the head, and then he, and then he dropped him, and that, was, and, that, and that was that. And I just think that those are one of those scenarios where I actually see Justin Gaethje being at an, at an advantage with a guy like Khabib because I, th- I don't think that Khabib has as many striking tools as uh, other guys in the lightweight division. He's got, a good, he's got a good overhand right. We saw it against Connor. He's got a good jab. Um, he throws to the body. Does he have a solid. good over? Does he have a good overhand right, or is it at the fact that he is so good at wrestling that obviously arms are dropping? If you're faking yeah. the shot, arms are dropping. But he throws it kind of like overhand, like DC. He throws it exactly like DC, like the wrestler. It's like you shoot and the miss, and you cut Henderson. Dan Henderson throws the exact same way top the two knuckles at the top of the temple and that's what they're aiming for every single time or usually you see hooks they're more rounded out like this where these guys even tj dillashaw he does it he does it really well where he goes down he fakes the takedown as he shoots he comes back up and he's throwing with yes. the top two with the top all, two knuckles all guys that come from fantastic wrestling backgrounds exactly look, look as if they're going to perform the knee tap okay yeah, they look exactly. like they're going for that single leg knee tap and then in the end he ends up dipping back up with that overhand right and Again, I, I, I just think that with the chin on Gaethje and with the tenacity and the no fucks given, um, Khabib is actually going to have to be a lot more precise and a lot more accurate and a lot cleaner in his approach in terms of taking down Gaethje, especially in the beginning rounds. One of the mistakes that I heard today is, or you know, on Wednesday is that uh, Khabib feels that Gaethje is a fighter that is, is mainly only dangerous in the first round. I don't think, I think that could be, that's farthest from the truth. I think yeah. that Gaethje is dangerous all throughout all five rounds. I think that as long as Gaethje has a pulse, he is dangerous. 
So when I heard that from Khabib, I found that a little bit peculiar because I don't believe that that is a sentiment at all. He's not fighting Conor McGregor. He believes that Conor and Justin are two guys that are most dangerous in the first round. I don't really believe that whatsoever. I think that Justin is a lot more dangerous over five rounds than McGregor will ever be. That's true. I mean, I think that McGregor five rounds isn't really something that's in his repertoire. Absolutely. So if, you know, if you were a betting man, I assume you would bet on Khabib. But if you were, if, you know, if you're looking at this as a, as a savant or as a, or as a knowledgeable guy or as a guy who runs a tremendous podcast like Hot Sauce Sports, who do you predict is going to win against Justin Gaethje and Khabib? Okay, so if we're, talk, we're talking two things. As the betting man, I'm, about to, I'm looking up the line here. I'm looking up the line. As a betting man, it'd be tough to see. Uh, okay, here it is. So Gaethje's paying 310. They're not, not, th- not plus 310, so it's $3.10. I would put money on Justin Gaethje winning that fight. And the other way around, the uh, knowledgeable fight fan that I am, I haven't seen Khabib ever. I've seen him lose one round in his entire career, and I've seen probably ten of his fights. And I who is just that? Who is that one round to? Connor in the third. It's drawing a blank. Yeah, third round. No, second. No, third round. Third round. Yeah, second, third round. second round. He he knocked him down. So yeah, so the, the, that's the only round I think I saw him lose. He didn't lose any any rounds to I Quinta. That's for sure. He didn't lose any rounds to to um what else is i mean i can't i'm drawing a blank here but i haven't seen him lose any round so the knowledgeable fight fan that i am i'm gonna go with khabib i think but i'm putting money on gaichi i'm gonna do it right now actually i'm gonna think i'm gonna slap 100 bucks on gaichi what round do you think that gaichi uh would would beat khabib in no fifth round decision he'll never finish khabib I don't think he's able to get on top of Khabib. We've seen it happen, though, where guys that you think are untouchable end up getting KO'd. You know what I mean? Look, like I, like Joanna against Rose. Like, you never thought that would happen. Right. First time. I got to tell, tell you, man, something, something tells me that what, what are these guys are going to get finished in the fourth or fifth round. Um, who it is. I mean, I'm, I'm having a hard time settling on, on who it is. There are parts of me that thinks that Justin Gaethje, you know, lands, lands a very slick combination and we see something change in Khabib's demeanor and Justin jumps on that and, and does win the fight by TKO. And, <clears throat> excuse me, if I had to, if I had to say how, how Khabib wins that fight, I, I don't count out that Justin Gaethje could lose by submission to Khabib. So if I, if I were to call it, I'm going to call either a late stoppage from Justin Gaethje by TKO, or I'm going to call a late stoppage by Khabib in terms of, uh, in terms of a choke, specifically a neck crank or a rear naked choke. Um, I don't really think a rear naked choke. The problem is with that is, is that he did fight a guy, you know, he did rear naked choke Dustin Poirier. And Dustin Poirier is not the same animal I, uh, mentally as a guy like Justin Gaethje. But, yeah. uh, you know, it, and that, that's what I'm saying in terms of a finish. I don't see Khabib finishing him by TKO. I do see a submission being more plausible. But ultimately, you know, if I wanted to play it safe, if you put a gun to my head, I absolutely would say that Khabib is going to win this fight yeah. uh, by a decision. But uh, I'm really not counting out Justin Gaethje to win this fight by TKO. You can't, you can't count him out because we, well, the last we've seen is Justin Gaethje. He's only 
gone so much better. Like the sky's the limit with this guy. And like I said before, we haven't really seen his full arsenal yet, you know, and Khabib, we know what he can do and he does it better than anybody we've ever seen. You know? Absolutely. I, I like how the UFC put out this week, how he's the, um, the best of all time, the best champion ever, whatever it is. And it's John, it's like, did you forget that you had John Jones on your roster or what's going on? Well, uh, you know what? One thing that folks forget to realize is, is that Khabib is a global superstar and I don't believe yeah. that John Jones is. He's not. That's the thing is like Khabib, uh, he says it 150 million, you know, like he's right though. Like you, you put that Russian, uh, that Russian banner, that Russian flag, you're going to get 150 million people that are very patriotic about Russia that are going to love you, no matter what your religion is. But it's not only it's not only about Russia. It's also about the entire Middle East. The Middle East, exactly. It's his, he's, got it's two, his... he's got two continents on his back. He might even have a third if you want to include a little bit of North Africa as well. Well, yeah, it's because he's, he's, got, he's got a full religion on his back too. Like my girlfriend's Muslim. She knows exactly who Khabib is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, one thing that I wanted to ask you is, is that, uh, you know, we're going to segue here. So Terry, Terry did say that if you're a betting man, there is money to put on Gaethje. And I would agree with that. Me personally, if you want to make it a prop bet, I would bet on Gaethje by TKO. Um, that that's me personally, but ultimately gun to our head. We're both riding with Khabib. Um, but the next thing that I wanted to ask you is, and, you know, I was just watching Embedded before I hopped on this podcast with you. Folks forget the fact that Michael Chandler is in there as a replacement. Michael Chandler is out in Abu Dhabi right now cutting weight to maybe fill in as a last-second replacement. Oh, yeah, okay. I thought you said he got a fight. I was like, no, no okay. Should, that I know. Should one of these guys not be able to compete? I love how they gave him the opportunity, though, huh? I really don't, you know, look, the reason why it makes sense is, is that I think that he was a little bit more prepared than other fighters were to step in. Um, another thing also is, is that I think that Dana knows what he's doing in the sense that he is hiring a Bellator guy. He is a Bellator champion. He is giving him, you know, some pretty good scratch, but also wants to kind of test how, how hungry he is to fight for this promotion. And I think that he's testing the waters in terms of that in Michael Chandler. Um, is there any way possible that we see Michael Chandler perhaps fighting one of these guys on the night? Well, the only person that would miss weight would be Khabib, and he hasn't missed weight in a long time. So I don't know. I don't see it happening. I don't see anybody missing weight. I mean, maybe there's a COVID scare. COVID scare, maybe more Khabib, you know, but he's closer to home. So I don't know. Maybe it could be COVID. You don't know when you're going to get it, right? I have a few friends that got it, came out of nowhere, and it's like, What's going to happen? Michael Chandler's going to fight for the belt and he's going to be the champion? That would be absolutely unreal. That, that would be crazy. Now, what, he what I... Didn't lose his last fight in the Bellator? Michael Chandler? He lost the belt, no? Michael Chandler lost against who? Uh, one of the Pitbull. Pitbull brothers? Yeah, Patricky. It's very possible. One thing that I wanted to ask you is actually is that um, what do you see next should Khabib win this fight? It has to be Connor. The reason why, because Connor is going to fight Dustin Poirier. If he wins that fight, I think he needs to fight Khabib. Winner of winner of that, maybe Michael Chandler. You got to throw him in the mix. If Michael Chandler, if there's if there's giving Michael Chandler the the the, the replacement spot, then maybe Michael Chandler's next in line. Maybe Michael Chandler fights the winner of Connor and Dustin Poirier. If Poirier wins, I think Michael Chandler fights Poirier. If Connor wins, Connor fights Khabib directly for the belt. 
this is assuming that Khabib wins in every in every scenario. So Khabib wins, Michael Chandler fights the winner of Connor and Dustin Poirier. Actually, no, he only fights Dustin Poirier if he wins. If Connor wins, then he'll fight directly Khabib. I think that's the that's the play. I I, I certainly think that Connor will most likely fight the winner of uh, of this bout. I think that it's definitely going to happen if Gaethje wins. I think that if yeah. Gaethje wins, Connor's going to get fast tracked to uh, to fighting him. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely will be doing the Khabib rematch. The reason why I'm apprehensive about the Khabib rematches is, is that Khabib has a very powerful say in terms of what he wants to do. And I really do believe him when he says that he has no interest in fighting Conor McGregor. Well, he has no interest in fighting Conor McGregor because Conor McGregor is fucking around. But as soon as Conor McGregor just says, listen, I'm here, like I'm ready to go, he'll, he'll fight him. But I don't think Khabib wants to jump into that. I mean, I saw what DC said this week about uh khabib he said how khabib has no interest in doing business with connor i can picture that but if the ufc wants it to happen the UFC, it's going to make it happen if connor wants it to happen it's going to happen that's pretty much how it works out where do you see dan hooker fitting in all this one thing i wanted to ask you is before we get to dan hooker is what are the odds that we see george st pierre stepping in Oof, that's tough he looks great though i will say he looks fantastic I forgot about George. It, it, you know what? It, it would just be the biggest, biggest fight you could see in history. Um, I, I don't really know if we're ever going to see that bout. I think that you know, George just has way too much to lose in terms of that. You think so? Because he's been well, he's been on the shit. He's been on the shelf for a long time, and the thing is, what is he? Thirty eight now. Uh, yeah, 38 or whatever the case may be. But if you think about it, I mean, George's last fight was against Michael Bisping at the middleweight division. The and the biggest problem is, is that where, where does the fight happen? Does the fight happen for the 155 belt? Does the fight happen at 170? Does it happen at 165? 165. Is, is, you know, well, you know, Dana will never do that. because so. Dana's never going to hold up a belt, a title. That's what, that, that's, that. that's what I'm saying. So, you know, it, it'll be a little bit tough. I don't know if George actually does play a factor. I think that if Gaethje wins, he gets fast-tracked uh, to fight McGregor. I think that if, uh, if Khabib wins too, you know, McGregor could actually step in there again. So, you know what, I guess, uh, you know, call me crazy, but looks like Conor McGregor is, is, is next in line. Yeah, I think so too. And what do I feel about Dan Hooker? I mean, oof, uh, look, man, Dan Hooker, uh, in my opinion, should fight Tony Ferguson. I was just about to say, Tony Ferguson is the one guy in the top five we're not talking about in all this because we just saw him lose to Gaethje, so it's normal. But I think Dan Hooker, Tony Ferguson is the fight. What about Nate Diaz now? Throwing his name in there. Nate Diaz versus Dan Hooker is good as well. I just yeah. don't believe that Nate Diaz will fight Dan Hooker because he simply doesn't think that he's a big enough name. I actually see Tony fighting Nate Diaz before I see Hooker fighting Nate Diaz. But I also I see Tony him. fighting uh, Hooker before uh, Hooker would fight Diaz. Yeah, Tony's kind of taken a few steps back from that title shot now, I think. Uh, he's not got, only he, He's not, got two fights before he's even considered, I think. Not only has he taken a step back, though, I think that people are a little bit turned off by his shtick. I think that they think that, you know, we thought he was crazy and deranged then, but, you know, he went on the Helwani show. He was dropping the F-bomb every second word. <laughs> I think he's just leaving a little bit of a bad taste in everybody's mouth because the thing is, is that the reason why Colby Covington's uh, cringy cringy persona is working 
is because A, they think it's an act, but B, he's also putting on some super fucking impressive wins. And even though he did lose to Usman, most people would say he was ahead on the scorecards before he got TKO. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, that's one thing in terms of Tony Ferguson though, it's like, you know, the whole cringy persona and then, 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 and then the Khabib fight not panning out and then getting absolutely pieced up by Gaethje, you know, people don't, people fail to realize that decisive losses after taking, after, you know, talking shit will set you back. It'll set you back and it'll bite you in the ass. It, you can't, there's a certain amount of shit talking that you can do. There's a certain amount. As soon as you pass that amount, you're fucked. Absolutely. And yeah. And I think that that's what sometimes what happens with Conor McGregor. Well, it happened with Khabib. Where sometimes you just say a little bit too much. You know what I mean? Like, and that's where it gets a little iffy. And I get your thing with Nate Diaz is that should, does he deserve the, like a, to, to fight somebody? I mean, we haven't, he, he got pieced up by Masvidal before that. Who'd he fight? It was Connor before that, you know? So like, we haven't really seen him. He's got to work his way up too. He hasn't fought at 155 in four years. I don't know why he's considered a 155er. He, uh, look, in my opinion, I think that if this McGregor and Poirier fight does happen, I think that should Poirier lose, Nate Diaz is a good contest for him. But, you know, Dan Hooker is a knocking at that door. A guy like Dustin Poirier would sign the dotted line at Hooker. Mm-hmm. So one of the things is, is that because Nate Diaz wants to pick and choose who he faces, I think that he's going to get passed up on because Dana's just going to say, you know, man, you're this fucking picky guy who barely fights. And at the end of the day, you know, your star power is still there. But at the same time, like, you go off the shelf for so long, like, you are still forgettable. And we have guys that are ready and willing to fight each other for less money as well. Now, Mr. McGregor's name has been brought up a lot. So let's go ahead and talk about that quickly. First of all, the most important question of them all, does Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor happen on January 23rd, 2021? Well, there's a line already open for it, so I think it's pretty official. I think it will happen. I think that's uh, Conor McGregor knows that. Conor McGregor has actually taken a he's, – he's matured, I think, in this entire process. This is where I feel like before Conor McGregor would be like, no, I want Khabib again. Like, I don't want anybody else. But now he's willing to take fights, and he's willing to show. I was like, listen, I'll move my way back up because I know I'm that good. So I think that that fight's going to happen. I think that fight needs to happen, and there's been way too much talking uh, from Dana White to Conor McGregor and back and forth for this not to happen. I think that Dana White owes this to Conor McGregor and that's, it's, it's going to have to happen, but I think he's going to do it knowing that he's getting a title shot right after. Well, you know what? I, I disagree in the sense that he owes it to McGregor because I think that after he allowed him to fight, fight Floyd, I don't really think that Dana feels that he owes McGregor anything because he essentially made him set for life yeah, by, sure. by, by fighting that matchup. Um, you know, the maturity thing is a little bit of a mixed bag because, you know, as we saw today, he did let out an Instagram post that he was getting roasted on, you know, when he put himself in the middle of, of the face-off of Gaethje yeah, and Khabib and, and then captioned it, the, the, the pimp in Gucci mink. I mean, I, I was dying by that. I thought it was it's hilarious. Amazing. It's it amazing. is amazing. It's, it's what we all want to see. It's all what we, it's what we love to see and what we love to hear. But, you know, the biggest thing for me that kind of turns me off is that there's a lot of chatter. There's not a lot of action. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you, can't, you can't ride off a win against a Donald Cerrone who just fucking barely lost or beat Nico Price. And, uh, you know, one of the things for me 
that kind of sets me sets me off about the whole thing is is that I think it's a great fight between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. I think it makes absolute sense. But you know, to me, what kind of makes me apprehensive about the entire thing playing off is is that you know should Gaethje win or should Khabib win? and Conor McGregor's name gets thrown in the mix, I think it'll be very, very easy for McGregor to say, all right, Poirier, you're going to have to wait here for a second. And it's true. That's a, I mean, it's, it's a good point. And I think that the pimp and Gucci make, man, that's fucking unbelievable. It's so good. You know, it, it, but I, sorry, go ahead. No, you go. So, I, I mean, I, I know what you're saying by the, the talking, and I get all that. Too. You know, sometimes it just doesn't. It seems like it just never stops. You know what I mean? And it reminds me kind of of uh, this, the, the Chimeyev. I'm like, just like, I'm tired of it, man. I'm fucking tired of it. I'm tired of Conor McGregor going after Diego Sanchez. I'm tired of Dylan Danis calling out every fucking YouTube star. I'm tired of Ryan Garcia calling out those same YouTube stars. Yes. I'm, tired of, I'm tired of people calling out fights that don't fucking matter. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of Chimaev going after seven different guys. It's obvious that Ali Abdelaziz is managing your fucking Twitter because you don't know what the fuck you're doing. I love how one guy responded to me because I said, this is so stupid. He's called out four guys this week and he just want to fight. I'm like, and then he's like, well, that's what they have to do. No, they don't have to do that. Your management team should tell you who to call out. Who's the next one for you? Not the next four. You know what I mean? And that's the part of it. It's like, it's like everybody's just trying to latch on to somebody. It's like, oh, every, it's, it's like a fucking crapshoot. And who created that, though? Conor McGregor created that. Yes. Conor McGregor took away the rankings. Conor McGregor took away uh, any, any, any form of organization or any form of continuity that we had, you know, when it comes to how uh, Shelby's picking his fights and how Dana White's going to pick his fights. So, I mean, he's the only one to blame for the fact that he's not getting something now because he's just calling everybody out all the fucking time. It's annoying. It's Absolutely. So if you had if you had to to bet uh, if you had to you know gun to your head again does Justin Ga- does Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor happen yes I I would have to agree with that I do think that that bout happens it makes absolute sense um, and to continue on to that does Conor McGregor use the experience against a you know seasoned UFC vet in Dustin Poirier and a solid southpaw in terms of boxing. To uh, prepare himself for Manny Pacquiao. That's another thing too. I mean, he's, he's supposedly he's going to fight Pacquiao. So I, I don't believe that, I don't believe that he fights Pacquiao. I think that that's all banter. I think that I he think it does. Is, I think right. I think that he fights the winner of of Khabib and Gaethje. Should he have a good performance against Dustin Poirier, probably fights uh, in March or something like that. Keep Connor in mind, knows, Connor knows who, what his, where his his. His uh, his what his end goal is. The end goal isn't to be the to be the champion in boxing. It's to be the lightweight champion again in the UFC. Absolutely, and you know they do need to keep in mind though. Should Khabib win, that they have to take Ramadan in order, which I believe is you know probably going to play at the beginning of I believe it was at the beginning of May last year. So maybe mm-hmm. it'll be even earlier in April. So maybe they'll have to do that fight in March, or they'll have to wait till International Fight Week in July. I mean, you know, look, we could say whatever we want, but. Uh, you know, a Conor McGregor only fights about one to two times a year at this point, if that. And uh, yeah, man. So I don't really know. 
what we're going to play off in terms of that, but we are both in agreement that Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor will happen. We're both in agreement that Manny Pacquiao and Conor McGregor won't happen, which I'm happy about both of those scenarios. Um, I think that one of the things that Dana is really trying to play off is, is keeping Conor McGregor on the shelf in terms of not having fans in the stadium. You know, I think that Dallas Cowboys stadium, you know, we saw in terms of your, your, your dear Cowboys, how they had fans yeah. in, the, in the stadium at the AT&T center, I believe, uh, you know, which has been the home to big stars like Canelo Alvarez, that we could absolutely see them, uh, Dustin Poirier and uh, McGregor fighting at Dallas Cowboys stadium, which would have fans in it. And then, you know, Perhaps, I don't know what would happen should he fight Khabib for the title or Gaethje, but I do believe that they will be waiting for fans to be in attendance. But, uh, you know, the last thing that I wanted to ask you is about McGregor is, um, you know, are the antics getting old? Are the fans getting a little bit sick of him? Is it too much? Is it too much show, not enough go? Because one of the things that I'm really noticing is, if I don't know if you've caught on to this, but he's been ripping off Floyd Mayweather's business model for a very long time. And him posting about himself on social media the week of the fight, uh, is, you know, to, to tear the attention of Justin Gaethje and Khabib and bring it back onto McGregor is a page right out of Floyd Mayweather's fucking notebook. Yeah, exactly. I think Conor McGregor, it, I'm not, the thing is that I know what I'm getting with Conor McGregor. You know, I know I'm getting the guy that's just going to complain and talk and chirp and, you know, tweet and all that stuff. So I know what I'm getting. I know I'm getting what I'm getting from Donald Trump. I mean, I know I'm getting this. Am I tired of it? The only thing, the reason why I'm tired is because he's not fighting. The same thing with Nate Diaz. I can never say a bad word about Nate Diaz. I love that guy to death. I think he's like the purest fighter ever, him and his brother. But him too. It's like, shut, stop tweeting and just fight. Stop messaging. Nick Diaz too, same thing. He's always, oh, is he coming back? Is he coming back? Oh, he wants to come back. Is he coming back? Just fight. If you're going to fight, then fight. You know, like, or if you don't want to fight, that's fine. Don't fight. But don't fucking keep us hanging and make it seem, because Conor McGregor holds the UFC by their fucking balls sometimes. You know what I mean? So he can say anything he wants. Like his, his retirement last year, I wrote a whole blog about it. Like he's full of shit. Just be real with everybody. Own up to the fucking. Well, he took uh, another, that's out of Floyd's book again. Exactly. Yeah. Just saying I'm out. And it's like, yep. okay, you're out. But I know he's not out. We know, we all know he's not out. I knew he was going to come back and he's going to fight fucking, uh, what's his name? He's going to fight. He's going to fight Poirier, you know, but he's but, not going to fight Pacquiao. He's going to go after Poirier. He'll fight for the belt. Poirier's in a, in a great position also though, because Poirier's yeah. got some big names knocking at his door and Tony Ferguson in, uh, in, uh, fuck even Michael Chandler, um, Dan Hooker, and uh, Nate Diaz. So Dustin Poirier, winner, loses in a fantastic position as well. I, I agree with you. Too much chatter from McGregor, not enough action. Um, he certainly needs to make a, a, a run for his money in terms of that and, uh, and get something going there. And, you know, I always like to, I've never done it, but this is the way that I, I, I use my analogy for Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor is like when somebody has sex on ecstasy for the first time. Yeah. It's nothing special. Nothing, nothing amounts to it. Nothing equates to it. However, his run was crazy, though. His run was crazy. However, what people are starting to realize is, is that guys like Adesanya, guys like Khabib, you know, uh, big matchups in, in, in terms of, of that, 
is actually giving new and fresh blood in the UFC, you know, perhaps a matchup with Izzy versus John Jones. Things like this are starting to come on the rise. And you know what? If Conor McGregor is going to continue his antics, um, he'll always be relevant because he he did bring us some of the greatest moments in MMA history. And he'll always be relevant because, you know, he's growing his business in terms of proper 12 and uh, and stuff like that. But the thing is, dude, is that there is not a post that Floyd or Conor could put out there that folks are just out there ripping them for just too much talk and not enough action and ducking guys and doing this and that. And frankly, they're right. It's true. I mean, it seems like they can do whatever the fuck they want. Nobody's really going to say anything. We're just going to take it because we know that they, they bring in the money and we're going to watch everything that they do. Absolutely. How do you see Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier ending? I think Conor wins that fight. I mean, as good, as good as Dustin Poirier is looked, um, as good as he looked against Max Holloway, um, and we saw what Gaethje did to him. I think that Conor is a much better striker than Gaethje is. Um, I think Conor wins that fight again. I got to agree with you. I got to go by go with Conor probably by TKO or KO in the in in one to three rounds. Um, I just think that unfortunately, you know, Dustin playing the buddy buddy card, being appreciative of him donating 500k into his funds, et cetera, et cetera, is um, kind of just shows like he's already just happy to be there, and that's not yeah. enough. Finding one of the top dogs in the UFC. So I got to I gotta go with Conor McGregor as well. And uh, the last thing that I'll ask you about Mr. McGregor before we wrap up the show is, is uh, what do you think about, you know, should McGregor fight Khabib or should McGregor fight Gaethje? I think McGregor should fight the winner, whoever it is. No, I know that. But how do you predict either oh, of, the, I predict both of those but fights going? I thought, how you, who do I predict he's fighting? So... I think he I think he'll he'll lose to Khabib and he'll beat Gaethje. But the thing is is that is he gonna be able to beat Gaethje? It'll be a really close decision. I think he's gonna have to get like a ten eight round at some point, maybe knock him down, get a ten eight round and then, you know, and outbox the rest. I don't I don't see it happening, don't get me wrong. But I don't know. I just I see win it's one and one. I think he'll lose to Khabib and he'll beat Gaethje, but that Gaethje fight's very tough for me. Well, you know what? The way I look at it is, is that uh, it's, I believe that it could be two and oh, one and one or oh and two. The reason why I say that is, is that I don't see McGregor winning any other fights by a decision. Uh, Nate Diaz was a, was a different matchup stylistically. A lot of that had to do with the fact that Nate didn't bring any strong attributes besides the fact of a relentless pace and a strong gas tank. Gaethje has the power, has, 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 the, um, has more tools in his arsenal in terms of the leg kicks and also the level changing in wrestling and also adding wrestling to the dynamic. And then obviously could be we don't need to talk about. So that's why I see uh, it being too many variables in terms of how those, uh, how those fights play out. I do think, though, that... Uh, Conor McGregor versus Justin Gaethje is a fight for the ages. And I do believe also it is a fight for the ages with Khabib. But actually, I, I don't know. For me, seeing the rematch with Khabib, it doesn't tickle my fancy as much because i kind of seeing it going down the exact same way. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's, I just see – I can't picture Conor. Conor doesn't look like he's – Conor looks like he, he fights. He trains to fight. You know what I mean? He doesn't look like he's uh, – 
constantly in the gym. Like I can't, I'm not going to talk about his workout, his, his, his focus or whatever. Cause I don't know what he does on a daily basis, but it doesn't seem to me that he's the type of guy that's in the gym every day. Like Gaethje is, you know what I mean? So that'll, he'll never be able to go five rounds with Gaethje. He'll have to finish him. Well, Conor McGregor has kind of adapted a little bit of a, a boxing mentality in the sense yeah. of, you know, veteran boxers usually get out of shape in between camps. Yeah, like Ricky Hatton. They used to call him Ricky Fatten. Yes, exactly. Except Conor McGregor is not carrying himself like that. So, like, how I like to compare it to is more of an Amir Khan. Amir Khan was somebody who always prepared himself uh, more for fight camps and less in between the camps just due to the fact that, you know, going through the GB amateur boxing system and the Olympic system and just constantly boxing being on his mind and in his path, when you have money and you have a family and you want to enjoy the fruits of your labor, it's a lot more common for these things to actually, you know, show a play at a factor. And another thing is, is that a factor is, is that John Cavanaugh showed that life goes on. Life goes on without Conor McGregor. I have my gym. I'm fucking bumped. I'm bumping on Bellator with all of my other fighters. And it just gets to a point where I can't be here at this billionaire's beck and call. And, and you know, that does play a factor in terms of the... Um, well, he said it publicly, right? He's like, listen, Conor does Conor. As long as he's ready to fight, he puts in the work, I'll coach him. That's all he said. That's he exactly said that a bunch it. of times. That's exactly it. And, and, and I agree with that, you know, so... We, we, we will certainly have to see and sit back and, and go from there. But for now, we, all we have to do is focus on is Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Justin Gaethje. We know Conor McGregor is going to be watching that fight closely, going to be live tweeting throughout the whole fight. He's going to be tearing down and picking apart and dissecting both fighters and uplifting his game and, and just showing the fans what he feels he brings to the table against these guys and how he will perhaps sell us on how he will prevail against his next opponent, Dustin Poirier, but more importantly, how he will uh, dissect and then sell us on how he will prevail against Khabib versus Justin Gaethje. Yeah, I agree, man. Where can they find you, Terry? Uh, Hot Sauce Sports or Terry Tam on Twitter, uh, but Hot Sauce Sports everywhere as well. Uh, we drop two episodes a week. Uh, Hot Sauce Sports episode, I don't even know what episode we're at, is coming up. It's on YouTube right now, so it'll be up. When you want to listen, it's on Spotify and Apple as well. Weekly Sauce, we do it once a week. Adam's coming on this week. That's going to be recorded Thursday, and then we'll pump that out on Friday. Um, that's it, man. Awesome. I didn't realize that it was Terry Tam. That's why I wasn't able to tag you in the post that I uh, had put out on Instagram promoting it. I added an extra A. I wrote Tam up. No, I don't even have Instagram. Okay, so you deleted it. I deleted it a long time ago. And if I had, I, I might reactivate it. It's Terry Tamp 15, but I'm not reactivating anytime soon. Okay, so you must, have, you must have deleted it over the quarantine. No, and I deleted it. It's been two years now. Holy smokes. Yeah, Okay, so you've, been, so you've been sharing it through Hot Sauce Sports then? Only through Hot Sauce, yeah. Okay, always through hot sauce, yeah. understood, under, understood. That's my account. Well, I got to say, Terry, always, uh, always a pleasure talking to you. Love always, it. Buddy. You can find me at Adam Kaplan 13 on Instagram and Twitter or on Instagram at the Unanimous Decision MTL. That's all, uh, that's all today, folks.